Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, my co-hosts are here as always. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello there. So we got some great stuff. This week's going to be primarily a tech show. We're talking about a number of different things and... Uh, we're going to be continuing on something we talked about last week to a little bit more depth, just because there's been so many questions that have come in and so many unusual things is weird technology. Last week, we talked a little bit about CES this year and some of the stranger things there, but this goes well beyond, and it's not even just new stuff. There's been uh, some unusual things that have come out over the years. So we're going to talk over the years, rather, and we're going to talk about some of that kind of thing. We're also going to be talking about how to stay safe. There's a lot more scams, skimming, and everything else out there. A lot more ways that the bad guys are trying to use technology to get you and your money separated. Not something we want to do, you know? One of the other things that's coming up, too, in April, we are going to be on television. You can actually see us. We're going to be giving the details on that on our new website, userfriendlyshow.com. Check it out. It's now your one-stop shop for our social media episodes, Tech Wednesday, Gaming in Depth, everything else that we do, and pretty soon four-episode television show. So we'll see how that goes. Are you guys excited about that, or are you scared to death? A little bit of each. Petrified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be different. And yeah. But the one thing that's not different is we want everybody's input, so let us know what you'd like to see us do on television. Uh, okay, let me rephrase that. That the FCC <laughs> will allow us to air on television. There you go. <laughs> yeah. With okay. no further ado, what's in the news this week? Flamboyant Italian clothes defeat facial recognition without masks. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting. Uh, the clothing that is just absolutely uh, wild patterns, you know, many colors, this kind of a thing. But it actually can throw off the AIs that run the uh, facial recognition systems. <laughs> now, the way this works is it pulls the machine's learning system into thinking you're an animal and not a human. Rawr! And I'm sure they'll get a programming around this eventually, but it's kind of interesting Probably. right now. Plus, it'd just be kind of fun to dress that way. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the picture uh, that comes up from this is someone dressed in kind of a onesie where the pants are uh, a tiger or something, and the top part looks like it's part of a a jungle, a giraffe, that kind of a thing. So, you know, I think this should be a new fashion trend, just if, if you ask me. I think so, too. So it's, you know, and this is done under a thing called YOLO. You only look once. Yeah, that's oh, about right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Apparently, the U.S. approves the first small modular nuclear reactor, and this begins a new era for atomic energy. So what, you know, I, the first thing I have to think of with something like this is what could possibly go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Oh, yeah. So... This is a small nuclear reactor. I'm trying to get an exact definition of what small, small is. Small is, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, is, is this mean, something it, I can put? Is small like a suitcase, or is small like the size of my garage? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's uh, <laughs> the best definition I can get is it's something called an SEMR, small modular reactor. Is what that stands for, and they're about 23 meters tall. Yeah, Whoa. that's small. That's about 100 feet, and it produces a Output of a maximum of 300 megawatts. So uh, that's actually pretty decent. Um, you know, and the thing of it is, is actually, in all seriousness, looking at how these work, they are safer, I think, because of the way they're built than classic nuclear reactors, too. You have less of a likelihood of a meltdown. But no, this will not fit in your pocket. 
and power your phone forever. (laughs) Okay. Microsoft to stop selling Windows 10 downloads as part of planned 2025 shutdown. So Microsoft Windows 10 will uh, sunset. There we go in 2025. And I'll have to change mine. To Windows 11, yeah. Now, a year ago, that would have been a much bigger thing. They have fixed Windows 11 for the most part. It works a lot better than it did. Uh, there's still a few little things that I could whine about for the rest of the show, and I I'm won't. Still, I'm still traumatized by Windows 8. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are. <laughs> Windows 8 is a thing of the past. The, Microsoft wants you to pretend that that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and Yeah, <laughs> well, good luck. So anyway, at the end of this month, if you want Windows 10, you should probably get it when you're listening to us because this coming week is February and the third first is the last day that you can buy it and download it from Microsoft's website. So we'll say goodbye to Windows 10 from being sold and then in 2025 be able to say goodbye to it completely. Hmm. The U.S. no-fly list leaks after being left in an unsecured airline server. Yeah, why not? You know, it's one thing when somebody hacks and legitimately breaks into a system and steals information, you know, then it's like, okay, we tried as long as they did to keep that out. And and as far as network security and all of that kind of thing, I have said this many times in the past, it's like the lock on your front door. The bigger the lock, the better the security, the more likely it is the bad guys will go somewhere else. But if someone really wants to, they can get into a system or you can just do this. And put the information on an unsecured server that anybody can download. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, these type of things, no fly list is, again, people that are banned from flying on American and international airlines. And this is an outdated version. It was from 2009, from my understanding. But even so, it still contained private information of all these people's names, address, phone numbers, identifying information that you probably don't want out there. Although with all the hacks that have been going on lately, maybe it doesn't matter anymore. It's already there. You can just go on the dark web. There's actually sites on the dark web where you can buy people's private information that have customer service, refund policies, merchant accounts, everything just like you would on Amazon for a legitimate product. Hmm. Okay, that just annoyed me. Yeah. Okay, Uh, DARPA Grant Grant will fund Hunt for Drug That Can Keep People Warm. Yeah, interesting thing like this is, you know, is this something we really need? I don't think I like this idea. Yeah. The other question becomes is, are you going to have a drug that actually somehow makes your body warm in a cold environment so that you're okay and safe? Or does it just simply make you not feel cold, which I would have a problem with that. Yeah. And then you get frostbite and you're like, I didn't know. I didn't feel it, you know. Or get addicted to being warm. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, that kind of thing. Or it does some other weird thing to you. I just, some things are just not a good idea. So one of the quotes that comes from the people putting this together is, if you have a drug that makes brown fat more active, which is what keeps you warm, then instead of having to spend weeks and months Adapting to cold, you can perform better within hours. Okay. But, you know, mm-hmm. is that the only thing that's going to be used for? And is that even safe? It'll be interesting to see where this goes. But uh, I don't know. My electric jacket, I think I, I, I'm i going to stick with that for now. Yeah. Hmm. Iron air batteries are 10 times cheaper than lithium ion and will start mass production in 2024. So this is an interesting concept. And as we see technology moving ahead, one of the big things, and we've talked about this many times, is batteries. Uh, Lithium-ion batteries hold a lot of energy. 
they do well for what they need to do, running your electric car, among other things. But the problem is, is that lithium, number one, is bad on the environment to mine, and it's a toxic chemical. And the other side of it is, is while there are a lot of upstarts trying to solve this problem, and hopefully will in the very near future, right now as we talk, there's no scalable way to recycle these. So that when the batteries are done, in other words, they can't be recharged anymore, they're going into landfills and leaching lithium into the landfills. So the idea of looking at some other things to be able to replace this is on the top of a lot of agendas. Now, ion air batteries are not something that's going to replace your car battery because they're a lot heavier. Where they're looking to use these is in the power grid. So yeah. let's say you have renewable energies. Let's say you have a wind farm, right? And you're generating, because it's a windy day, more energy than the grid needs. Well, right now you would shut down the windmills, which is why sometimes when you drive by a wind farm, it's one of the reasons some of them might not be spinning because they don't need the energy. Uh, with this kind of a battery, you could store that energy and then release it to the grid at a time where it's not windy or if it's solar, not sunny, and be able to store the energy. These cost less to make. They store energy in a very good way. And they're also not that new of a technology. In fact, the initial technology that these are based on actually goes back to the late 1800s. So it's a newer version of it, but it's not a newer technology in that sense. That's kind of cool. Interesting. Clear Space raises $29 million ahead of first debris removal mission. Yeah, we talked about this early last year. It looks like this is moving ahead. What this is is a company that wants to get the junk out of orbit. And yes, we do need to do that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a lot of crap up there, and with the Russians threatening to blow up satellites, there could be a lot more crap up there. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line of it is, is this is a way to be able to go in. They're going to try to deorbit some parts from a rocket that was recently sent up as a test. This is from the Vega rocket. And if that works, then they'll be able to use this for other purposes. I think it's funny, though. You know, there's press releases and all this kind of stuff, and there's a picture that's an artist's conception that looks like this thing with this big claw on the bottom. I don't know if that's what it's really <laughs> going to look like, but it definitely gives you the idea of some sci-fi thing, and I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that claw, but if it's space junk and that's the way it works, then, you know, maybe that's okay. Well, listen, <laughs> stay tuned this week. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Userfriendlyshow.com. Got a brand new website for you to check out and got a brand new show coming up after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Last week, we talked about some of the strangest technology that was seen at the Consumer Electronics Show this year. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of feedback from you, our listeners, about this. And uh, a lot of you have sent in some suggestions on other weird electronics. So I've got some of these here. We thought we'd go through some of that list and then also talk about Times List, because they put one of these out, of the 25 weirdest gadgets ever done. And, um, you know, so I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see if we agree or disagree with them. So number 25, this comes from Times List, is a thing called the Nintendo ROB. Now, I actually have one of these. ROB is an acronym that stands for Robotic Operations Buddy. And this was mm. a... I remember I, these. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I, I they came out with the original Nintendo, the 8-bit Nintendo, back in the 80s. That was fun. And... There were two games that worked with it, Duck Hunt and Gyromite. I don't know if they ever did, you know, anything beyond that. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, those but, are the two that I know of that worked with that specific yeah, robot. Yeah, and it just and to have all the pieces and stuff is a little bit rare because it came with all these gadgets. There were these two things that spun around for gyromite. There were um, th- these things that he padded on for playing Duck Hunt, and they all connected, and the little robot ran around. And you actually can't really use them anymore with modern tech- uh, TVs because one of the drawbacks of this is this type of technology, just like the light zapper on that Nintendo, mm-hmm. requires a CRT television to operate. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you would have to you would have to use it with an older television, but they were things. Oh, it looks like uh, I'm just looking at. There's a a picture of an original ad for this. That it looks like they had a couple of other games that were going to come out for them. Yeah, Excited oh. Bike. I know. Okay, playing Excited Bike, but that would have been interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah. anyway, the other funny thing is this complete system, including the Nintendo in that day, sold for 138 dollars and 65 cents with two games. Uh, tell me where I can find a PlayStation Five with two games for that price. Nowhere. <laughs> I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> all right wearable clothing a number of comments came in about this type of thing i like wearable clothing i have a jacket that warms up that i use all the time especially during the winter you mean wearable tech? Looks, wearable tech yeah yeah it's okay. uh, something <laughs> levi's is doing they call it the commuter x it's um a jacket uh, that i guess is in some way tied into google and it's a type of technology that has modules uh, that can be attached oh. and removed. I don't know. Wearing that kind of stuff, I think implanted might be a little easier. Just me. Mm. So, uh, you know. But uh, if you don't want to be a cyborg, I guess this would be a way to fake it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> so, all right. This next item I thought was really weird. It's a selfie toaster. All right. So this is literally a toaster that takes your picture and burns your picture onto the slice of bread. Okay. That's really weird. That's I, I think that is really weird. I mean, I'm I'm cool with the... The Mandalorian toes, the Darth Vader toes, or whatever. But that's weird. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. You can get this for $75. It's not literally a connected device. And that's a recent um, thing, huh? Yeah, you have a grilling plate. But yeah, it's just, uh, well, 2014. It's not that recent, about 10 years oh. ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, now the smart belt is interesting. This is something that I like, but a lot of other people thought was weird. This was debuted at CES in 2015. And you know how when you eat and your stomach might get a little better, bloated, that kind of thing from eating, the belt senses that and automatically loosens or tightens based on uh, hmm. uh, what's going on. Weird. Oh, I thought okay. that was kind of cool. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> interesting, yeah. So, um, you know, you go through these kind of a things, and, and there's a lot of stuff that uh, is talked about, but it isn't just new stuff. One of the other ones is something called the Bone Phone. Okay, this came out in, I believe, the late 70s. Yeah, 79. Yeah, that looks like 70s. Um, and uh, it was sold the original price for sixty nine ninety five, and was marketed as an alternative to headphones. Okay. Uh, the company that made it said that they sold 10,000 units in 1981. Uh, we can't obviously determine if that's true or not. Right. But it gave you the idea of a high-end audio system while on the go, and you wore it like a scarf. Huh. You know, I never saw any of this. I don't need. I, I remember. remember that. I remember the um, the Sony Walkman, the original Sony Walkman, that was like a doctor stethoscope, and it you know you yeah. wore it where it was like a stethoscope. And now, then speaking you of had the Walkman, tight to your chest. The Walkman was one of the most successful devices that came out. The little tape yeah, layers. Yeah. yeah. But Sony had some other things, and our next item is actually one of them. This was to compete with the iPod, a device called the Sony Rolly. And uh, this thing, um, <laughs> it looks like a pod. MP- yeah, like a pod. It was an MP3 player. I mean, you know, 
And it, uh, the device spun out in all directions, shimmying and shaking while flashing about 700 colors and strobe to your music. Oh, neat. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was discontinued about a year after it came out. I wonder why. How many Um, seizures (laughs) did it get? (laughs) You you know, the question, but the other thing of it is too, is while that might be cool, I don't know when I'm listening to MP3s and today, you know, you primarily do that from your phone, but even in the days of having an MP3 player, which many people still do, I still don't really want that device to move and jump around by itself. I don't (laughs) don't know. Maybe they thought it was a party device. Could be. Yeah. As long as it doesn't fall off a table. So one of the other things that, uh, this was a number of uh, questions that have come in about this, not just in the last week, but over time. And that's Google glass. Now, for anybody that doesn't remember this, this is about 10 years ago now, and it's this um, pair of glasses Google created, and they actually do still make them. Uh, they're just not available to the general uh, public. And it was an augmented reality device where you had a screen that was superimposed over the top of your right eye. Uh, they were wireless and had some cool features you could record with them and do some other things. They never took off real well, and they had some health problems from what I understand. Yeah. But And the other thing, too, was, of course, the price. The Explorer edition was thousands of dollars, and they haven't come down. They still do use a uh, working version of them in Enterprise stuff now, but it never did take off with the general public. I think it was and, price and the, and the know, health it was problem. the price. I think it was a little too early too. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, now we're seeing augmented reality glasses that are workable and that people actually like to have. Uh, still, very much at the beginning of that kind of technology, they don't work that well, but we're starting to see them. All right, Yoda phone. Now, this is something that is a little bit newer of a device. And it's an idea that you have two different devices. You have one device that looks like a regular smartphone, color screen you hold in your hand, you make phone calls. Then it has a second completely separate device. It's about the same size. It's a black and white screen for reading on. So the screen's like what you would have in a Kindle or a, a white paper reader, those type of devices. But it's a separate and device. There's it's two a completely of them? separate device that's connected to the first device wirelessly. Huh. Okay. Don't understand the whole concept behind that. No. I have a tablet that does those same things. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. I I think (laughs) where they're going here is the the display, you know, for reading in the sun, e-paper. You you can't necessarily do that with a regular phone. But the phone displays are so good now that I'm not sure you need it necessarily anymore either. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So, Neptune Pine. Now, there's a nice name. This is early 2000s. And the idea here was to put your entire smartphone in a watch. Neat. Dick Tracy. Yeah. It worked. It actually <laughs> worked. Cool. You could have a SIM card. It could do everything. It was on 3G. In those days, that was the high-end network, 32 gigs of internal storage again. But the problem was, is this thing was huge. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was literally huge. So it's, it, it it's was, like a Mandalorian gauntlet? It's <laughs> like a Mandal. That's a very good comparison, yes. Actually, from, okay. the, from the photo... It looks like a regular watch, but it looks like it's about an inch thick. Yeah. All right, you know, we're going to continue with this going forward. These are just some devices, and I keep sending them in. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 
Check out our new website, userfriendlyshow.com. That is where you can find the latest, greatest on everything, including Tech Wednesday, the latest episodes of our show, and information on our upcoming television show. Yeah, you heard right. We'll be talking about this a lot more in upcoming weeks. It is going to debut in April. Oh, so, gosh. Um, mm. yeah, oh gosh is right. We'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> get ramped up for that. Uh, but again, we'll talk about that a little bit in the future here. So, we're now on TikTok. We're actually increasing our social media platforms quite a bit. And I wanted to respond to some of our TikTok answers that we've had coming in. So one of the questions that went out is, what technology would you like to hear about more on user-friendly 2.0? Great question. Some of the answers more on smartphones. And we are going to be answering that in a couple of months here. We're going to actually do a segment on this. There's a lot of new technology coming up in the hard smart home segment. And we're going to be seeing some unique things this year. Smart homes for a long time now. You can turn your lights on and off. You can change your thermostat. But it's going a little bit more sci-fi. And we'll just leave mm. it at that. Another thing that came in is open AI. And we are going to be talking about this with a huge investment Microsoft is making in this platform. Open AI gives the ability. You don't have to buy your term papers anymore. You can just ask the AI to do it. It actually does have some positive connotations to it. One of the things that's been a concern, we talked about this recently, (laughs) is the fact that OpenAI, some of the things that have been written, the plagiarism software can't figure out that it's not a human done. And one of the issues with AI right now is the fact that they are getting into art and all kinds of other things. And, you know, is it fair to have the humans and the AI compete? Because they're very different things in many ways. Talked about that a little bit in the past, too. And we're going to be talking about this coming up as well going forward. So, you know, continue to send us your questions and your comments on not only TikTok, 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 <laughs> TikTok, hey. I know, TikTok, yeah. <laughs> TikTok, I can say it. I really do know what it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, as well as Facebook, I can even say that in Twitter. There you go. And LinkedIn. <laughs> and you can get to all of those things from our website at userfriendlyshow.com. This week's Tech Wednesday, we talked about Purple streetlights. Question that came in, why are streetlights purple? Huh. And, you know, new technology, there's always good and there's bad. And I don't know if this is really bad. It's just unusual. The one city where they were really seeing this was Vancouver, BC, apparently, although it is happening in a lot of different places. And, with it, you know, the short and very uninteresting answer to this is simply if a LED streetlight malfunctions, one of the things it might do is go purple. Hmm. And the same amount of lights coming off of it, that kind of a thing. It's just something that this does. But the purple street lights is something we've been seeing a lot more now in a lot of jurisdictions, mine included. They're changing the old sodium lights to LED. Right. And, you know, this solves a lot of things. It uses a lot less energy. I know in my area here, uh, the little neighborhood I'm in, I think we have 14. I'm on the Homeowners Association. Don't throw tomatoes at me for that, please. But anyway, I was looking at the. Uh, stats for our HOA. And I think we have 14 street lamps in the neighborhood here. Mm -hmm. And the cost of electricity to run them now that they've been converted to LED for all of them is about the same as one sodium light. So there's a tremendous difference in energy consumption with LEDs, you know, like there is anywhere else. I have a question. Does, all right, if you have one of these lamps outside your bedroom window, is it going to keep you awake at night? You know, that was one of the big questions. Ours were just converted in December, by the way. Okay. So this is very recent for us. And that was one of the big questions I had, too. Is this going to shine in the window? Is this going to be a problem? It's very interesting because I looked at it, and one of the other things these do is address a lot of the light pollution issues. 
Mm-hmm. So for one thing, I, I'm sure there's different models and stuff, but in, and I can speak to ours because that's what I'm familiar with. They don't shine where they're not supposed to. They don't go up for one thing. So the sky is actually a little darker with them. Oh, wow. And they also are directed down to where they need to be on the street. So no, they don't shine in the windows. Oh, that's nice. In fact, there's actually less ambient light coming in the window with these, even though they're brighter mm-hmm. than there was with the sodium lights, because the light is going down to the ground where it's supposed to be. One of the added things is it does shine in my driveway. It's kind of saving the cost of having to turn on my driveway light at night. Cool. <laughs> so, you know, hey. That's enough. I mean, you know what? That's 10 cents, right? So because that was already LED. But it's the point of it is, is it does seem like these, at least the ones we have, have been engineered to address a lot of these things. I haven't seen one go purple yet, but uh, as soon as it does, I will let everyone know. But they do last longer. There's less materials involved and they'll use less energy. So it's a good thing from a conservation standpoint and a light pollution standpoint. But yeah, you do see some unusual malfunctions. You would never have seen a purple light from the sodium lights, they would go on and off if a ghost flew through. I mean, if there was a malfunction <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at least that's the conspiracy theory, but you know, yes. it is what it is. This is user friendly 2.0. We will be back after the break. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. A lot of new technology brings a lot of new things, but the bad guys also know how to use it and are keeping their eye on what they can do with it, just like we do. And identity theft, which has been obviously a big problem for a long time now, basically since the internet started, there's a lot of new tricks that are out there. And it's a good time to talk about some of these things and what you can do to help prevent or at least reduce identity theft. And one of them is credit card Uh, skimmers. Now, Gretchen, you saw something about this. You want to tell us what was going on? Yeah, it was on the TV this morning, and they were saying that they're having problems with this more often. And they showed a video of a guy dressed as a construction worker, lifting up the, um, the reading device and doing something to it while his partner distracted the clerk. Right. So, um, yeah, and they were suggesting that people use the tapping of your card instead of sliding it through um, the reader. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Tap- yeah, it does make sense to me. The tapping is more encrypted, for one thing. And if you're talking about MagStrip, it's a lot more encrypted. But even putting the card into the reader, uh, which is a lot more secure than the old MagStrip was, the tapping, they're saying, is more secure than even that. And so why? it's gotten to a point now. I- I'm so sorry? Why is tapping more secure? Okay, well, the mag strip, let's start there, is not encrypted. Okay. So you can read the mag strip as long as you have the equipment to do it and get the card number and all of that. So a skimmer in that type of a situation was able to copy that information and the bad guys could actually make another credit card that was just like yours. Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. Now, the uh, chip is a lot more secure because it's an encrypted connection. It also generates a number for each transaction that's run. So that when you're using it, once that transaction's finished, it can't be run again. So it basically it locks it out, but you're still physically putting it in the, the machine. And these machines have gotten a lot more, these skimmers, you know, it, it, just like anything else, they're doing a lot more with them. A lot of them actually have a camera on them now so they can see your credit card. So they actually can see the number that's printed on it, which is one of the reasons why a lot of card numbers are being moved to the back instead of the front of the card. 
you know, to kind of keep ahead of that. But, you know, what's to stop them from having a camera for both sides, right? Yeah. But you're, so you're still inserting it in there. And if you hold the card and tap it, that is also encrypted, but you, you should probably keep your hand over the number in case there's a camera there to pick it up. So just different techniques to be able to keep your credit card number secure. They're going to stop putting mag strips on the cards pretty soon. I don't know the original date for that. I know it's been pushed back a little bit, but uh, in most other countries, they don't use mag strips anymore just because they are so insecure. Hmm. So, you know, some other things that are recommended for identity theft too beyond this is taking care to store your documents that have your information, social security numbers, Medicare numbers, these kind of things in a safe place at home and at work and limit what you carry. You don't usually need to carry your social security or Medicare card. If you need it for a specific reason, you have to bring it with you. But if you don't, they're not supposed to use that for ID either, right? especially on the social security card. Uh, obviously, this next one's a pretty much a no-brainer. Don't share your personal information, financial information, health plan information over the phone, through the mail or the internet, unless you know who you're talking to. And you initiated the contact. This is the big thing. If they call you and say, you know, we're so-and-so with ABC company and, and we need this information, hang up immediately. I wouldn't even engage them because these people are very good at what they do and they will get you talking. They they are trained how to do that. Disconnect the call. If you're worried about it, call the company that claimed to have called you with the number on your credit card or a number you would get from that company's website. Do not use any information that was sent to you where they tried to contact you because most likely you're not getting back to the real company. This is another one that I've noticed and I can't believe in 2023. Hey, there you go. You know, there's the AI letting us know too. In 2023, <laughs> <laughs> is that this is still happening, but it is, is that when you make a purchase and you get a credit card receipt, that credit card receipt should not contain your full account number. It should only contain the last four digits. However, that isn't always the case. And if it does, this one you want to report probably to the office of your attorney general for whatever state you're in, because that's something that should simply not be the case anymore. And then the next one here, is have one credit card that you use for your online purposes. Now, I usually suggest having a lower ceiling on this. Of course, if you buy something more expensive, that's more than the value of the card. Yeah. And that could be a problem, you know, but still try to, for your lower end purchases, lower cost purchases, have one card that you use. And this really is important. Don't use a debit card. Just don't use a debit card online. It is not secure or safe. And the reason for that, among other things, is if your credit card number gets stolen and someone runs up your credit card to the ceiling, you call the credit card company, you deal with it, and usually very quickly that's corrected. They send you a new card with a new number and you're good to go. The debit card, they can actually take all the money out of your checking account because that's what it's connected to. Yeah. And And I think if you ask your bank, you could probably, they would probably set you up with like a low ceiling credit card. Credit card, yeah. Saves saves them money. Mm -hmm. It saves them money. And the other thing of it is, is even if you don't have good credit, like you don't qualify for a credit card, most banks will do a secured card. So maybe you have a $500 limit with a $500 secured card, but it's still a credit card if you do it that way. Debit card again. And the other thing of it is, is to the limitations. This varies from state to state, but I know in some cases, if your debit card gets out and they empty your checking account, you only have 72 hours to file a claim. And if you don't, you're out of luck. You won't get your money back. Credit card is a very different set of regulations, you know, and that type of thing. The other thing of it is, is stopping the amount of these pre-screen credit card offers you get by mail. 
that have your information on it that somebody could steal out of the mail. Optoutprescreen.com is the website you go to for that. Oh. Um, there's also a phone number that's on the website if you prefer to call them. And you can use that to sign up to block most of that kind of thing. And then the other end of mail, too, is picking up your mail promptly and using a secured mailbox because they steal out of the mail. I have a box at a UPS store I use that's secured. Our mailbox has a lock on it, but they're even breaking into those now, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so those are just some of the techniques to help secure yourself. You're, you know, some of the other stuff we talk about having unique passwords, that's still a good idea. But with the ability for the bad guys to get into these systems, despite how you're logging on and that type of a thing, it means that you can really do everything right and still be a victim of identity theft. So really, at the end of the day, it's very important to be vigilant. Keep an eye on your credit cards, your checking account, other money things. If there's anything on there that's not yours or that seems suspect, call your issuer immediately, deal with it, don't wait, and just keep an eye on things. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Have you seen him? He's from the Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Did you know that there's a such thing as a museum of pop culture? No, I didn't. Where is it at? Well, these actually exist all over the place. And the one that I do know about is the Comic-Con Museum, done by the people that do Comic-Con in San Diego. What I didn't realize is that there is a number of these museums all around the world. And in fact, USA Today has the ability to vote on them to nominate which one you want to say is the best. And we're going to put a link out to that on our social media so you can do that. But I just thought it was kind of cool that these things exist. Some of the ones that are in there is the American Sign Museum. This is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Comic-Con Museum we talked about. The Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California. And the list kind of goes on and on to some very specific things. The Museum of Clean in Idaho. Uh, This is actually the history of things like vacuum cleaners and stuff. Huh. There's a National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum in Wisconsin. Oh, that I could see. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a National Mustard Museum also in Wisconsin. Okay, that's really strange. (laughs) (laughs) One that we know about is the Neon Museum in Las Vegas. Yes, that one's actually pretty cool. cool And uh, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Star Wars guy. Yeah, he, he got robbed like some years ago. He did. Yeah, wow. I remember that actually, you know. Yeah. And uh, Oz Museum, you can imagine what that would be. The list goes on and on. And there's a lot of great ones out there. And these are places that you can go to and visit that are focused and specific on some aspect of pop culture. And I just, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. And I think let's get out there and vote because, you know, it'd be kind of fun. A lot of these are very... Let's just say run on a shoestring. Others are not so much, but some mm-hmm. are. So it's great to get the information out there. And plus, a lot of them are there in your area. It might be just a lot of fun to go and see and check out. So, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know. Some of these things that pop up are kind of fun to actually see that this stuff is out there and, and be able to deal with it. So on our end, I don't know if it's going to end up in a museum, but we talked about it a little earlier in the show. In April, we are going to be doing a four-episode short one-run television series for user-friendly. <laughs> we'll see. So this is this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to air in the Portland market because that's where we're trying this out on Fox 12+. Plus. 
but we will have it available on our website so that you can stream it and kind of see us instead of just hear us. Um, <laughs> can I wear my Mandalorian helmet? <laughs> yeah, really. You know, it's, uh, I'll wear my Wookiee suit. How about that? No, yeah, it's, sure. uh, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of fun though. I think this is going to be a very unique thing. There's a lot of difference between television and radio. Uh, in addition to that, we'll be able to show you a lot of things like what we were just talking about with pop culture museums. It might be kind of fun to see what these actually are and be able to look at some different things and some stuff like that. But let us know what you would like us to talk about. Shoot it to us on our social media or on our website at userfriendlyshow.com, which has just been revamped for our 10th year, 2023. Check it out. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by wearetechnology.com. Listen at theanswerportland.com, userfriendlyshow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.